0: What's up, guys? Welcome back to Blood, Sweat, and Gear. I'm Scott McNally, and I'm here with Andrew Barry, Skip Hill, and today our special guest, Scott Stevenson. We've got a special segment for you today. Uh, the topic is going to be uh, growth hormone and carbohydrates. Uh, Skip, this is, it's really, this is your question. You've been, you've been digging deep, man. Can you explain to us uh, what we are going to discuss and then uh, we can we can pose that to uh, the smart one out of all of us.
1: Yeah, well, like I said, that's the whole reason that we have. Sometimes we have to have a smart guy on. It's not always about entertainment, right? And laughs. <laughs>, <laughs> no, Scott brings both. I will say that. Thank you. Thank you. Okay, so here's what I'm looking for. It, you know, as far as GH and carb timing, and I get this question quite a bit, and I I'd, I'd always – it always takes me off on this little tangent of I got to nice spend an hour trying to find, I want something definitive. So I'm looking for studies and I'm not a study guy, but the guy to my left on the screen, not in my house, I have a cat to my (laughs) left. But anyway, um, he's, he's obviously big on the studies and he's, he's three times smarter than I am. So I wanted to get Scott on and I'm glad that he, um, you know, is willing to come on. And I'm hoping he doesn't throw questions back at me because when it comes to growth hormone and carbohydrate timing, really this is kind of, this is your milieu. This is your, you know a lot about it. I could not find in studies anything definitively, like 100% matter of fact, related to the the timing of a GH dose and carbohydrate intake. Basically saying that, you know, that it's bad. We have kind of come to accept, I think, and you guys correct me if I'm wrong, but I've always seen it as, it's just accepted that you try to keep carbohydrates away from growth hormone injections because they can basically not maybe not wipe out, uh, but, but it's a less efficient process or it could impact the efficiency of or efficacy of the the gh injection i can't find anything on that the only thing that i find and i find it over and over is the timing of carbohydrates based on your endogenous growth hormone levels or secretion so as an example you know we know that it's probably not a great idea or it's not the best option to have carbohydrates before you go to bed so that you can have higher growth hormone levels during you know your rem cycles that one's kind of clear. So I'm wondering, my question to you, Scott, is is the, is the, the acceptance of the, the connection, negative connection between carbohydrate and GH injections with the timing, is that kind of a, our best guess based on the impact of carbohydrate on GH secretion endogenously? Have we just made this huge jump and there really isn't anything to it?
2: It's splitting hairs, I would say, for sure, and I'll, I'll I'll dissect the hairs so we can see which ones have been split, which ones haven't been. Uh, I would toss in too if people were worried about sleep quality. Actually, having carbohydrates before bed seems to help, and that's the thing that a lot of people find. You maybe even done that with you know clients, give them their big yep. carb meal before bed so they can sleep. So sure, like a baby. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah, for sure. So the th- here's here's sort of the issue. You're right that insulin and growth hormone are to some degree. They're counter-regulatory. Glucagon and insulin have counter-regulatory effects. Um, somatostatin's involved with all three of those, and that's a whole other ballpark to go into. But growth hormone is, after someone is matured, the bones um, have fully grown, the person's an adult. Its main function is for fuel supply in the in humans. So it's no longer like you know you're a baby, you're growing, you know your growth plates, if you all that kind of stuff. You'll see, of course, with, with people who have too much growth hormone, like acromegaly, like Andre the Giant is the one everyone seems to know. Right. Um, that you're gonna, you can still have growth beyond you know the normal time when you would stop growing. But growth hormones there at times, for instance, when you have, hey Joshua, when you have low glucose or potentially low incoming food, when insulin is typically also going to be low, so that you can mobilize fat as a fuel. So anytime you have a hypoglycemia episode or if during sleep, when at least during the latter half of that, unless you've had a monstrous meal before you went to bed, you don't have incoming fuel. Your insulin levels are coming down. Growth hormone levels will go up. It's a pulsatile pattern too, which is somewhat Mm -hmm. important for comparing endogenous and exogenous forms. And that growth hormone then allows you to mobilize fat because you don't have food coming in. So you shift towards, let's say just when you go to bed, you've had a normal meal, even if it does have any carbs in it, to using more carbohydrate or less fat, some of the protein you had would be oxidized. Say it's a carb meal, definitely more carbs after a carb meal. And then by the time you wake up in the morning, um, you're gonna be using predominantly, maybe it could be 70% fat as fuel, just in the resting state. The rest of it would carbohydrate and hopefully minimal protein. So. Growth hormone is there for using fat as fuel and insulin is, has the opposite effect. So if you have a carbohydrate-containing meal, you see a re- decrease in growth hormone and you also see that the actions of those hormones are opposing to one another. So growth hormone, would liberates and incre- increases fat lipolysis in the fat cells, so it liberates those fatty acids to be oxidized. Insulin inhibits lipolysis, so it has the opposite action. So it makes sense that those two hormones would go opposite to one another during the course of your day to day activities. Exercise, if you're not, if you're fasted, increases growth hormone levels because you need to pull upon, draw upon more fatty acids. And if you exercise prolonged, like for instance, having any carbs, you're in a ketogenic state, or you're in the, you wake up in the morning where you're already using a lot of fat and you exercise fasted, you're going to have high growth hormone levels. And that's, that's to mediate fuel use. Um, one thing that people sort of hear tossed out is that you'd want to make use of that endogenous growth hormone that you get from a fasted workout either in the gym or just doing cardio and like don't eat for 30 minutes or what have you. Um, you're going to get a, the equivalent – like someone like the size of us is going to get maybe like one and a half, two IUs of growth hormone released during the entire day. So in about like that, you're, it's minuscule. It's like you're 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 splitting hairs over you know maybe like point three ius of growth hormone released altogether. So it's not a big deal quantitatively, and you're missing out potentially on on actually what can happen to some degree. And You see this. This is it's with some of the nutrient timing. Um, the Nazis will actually you know, point to some, mm-hmm. some literature and that where if you don't take in carbs, and John Ivy's actually done some of this, you don't take any carbs for a couple hours, you become insulin resistant. You go from an insulin sensitive state to an insulin resistant state. So there's all this counter regular story stuff that's going on that sort of makes sense. So that all all holds. The thing is, is that because growth hormone is very pulsatile in its release. And I do my little, I have a little talk that I give um, on growth hormone. It's like a bodybuilding pharmacology 101. You see these spikes. So it's there, it has a very rapid release pattern. Um, it differs a little bit between men and women, but it goes up and down, you know, pretty rapidly. So sensitivity to growth hormone is able to sort of on a temporal, on a time scale basis, change how much fat you're using relatively rapidly. Um so, when, for instance, using, so, so that's sort of how growth hormone works on a, you know, a minute by minute, hour by hour basis, pretty quickly. Uh, of course, if you take it in in high amounts, so using GH, you know, 5, 8, 10 use over a prolonged period of time, you will gradually see uh, a sort of a more of a permanent state of insulin resistance. And in fact, one of the things growth hormone does do, and I don't know exactly the time frame for this, but... It actually, is, it actually creates that insulin resistance because it's counter regulatory to insulin. So imagine the state where you don't have any carbs and so you're, you're in a ketogenic state basically. And so you're, you wanna then save, you're using some of those ketones for your brain, but the body wants to survive first and foremost. If the brain doesn't live, there's not really much point, essentially. So saving the glucose in the blood, which is a very small amount for the brain is a very important priority for maintaining life and making it through whatever reason might have been in you know, our ancestral days where you don't have carbs around you, you're lacking in food. So becoming insulin resistant is a good thing and growth hormone does that. It causes the increase in liberation of those fatty acids so you're getting fuel from your body fat stores which are essentially infinite and you're getting becoming insulin resistant elsewhere. The brain doesn't become insulin resistant That glucose can make its way across there easily, but you don't want to be taking up glucose elsewhere in the body and robbing the brain of it. Mm -hmm. So, you do have a situation then, knowing that about growth hormone, where you're using growth hormone in the long term, where you're actually becoming somewhat insulin resistant because of that growth hormone. And people will see that. They look at their basal, you know, their resting uh, carbohydrate. And the interesting thing there is insulin levels can be very low if you're dieted down. Even if using lots of growth hormone, but you'll tend to see like your blood sugars, you know, raising. It's you know, right. starts at eighty five and you end up like a little bit. So you just pull the growth hormone for a while, it comes back. Um, So if anything, just from that standpoint, having some carbs around, which comes runs counter to this idea of like you know you're wasting your growth hormone if you use carbs, would make sense because the growth hormone is probably interfering to some degree with carbohydrate uptake into the muscle. Um, so that that sort of like chicks that box I've well seen, it's kind of I've counterintuitive stayed. that's
1: a good point i'm glad that you said yeah. that about the blood There's glucose commonly, levels yeah. Yeah. i mean that's that's part of the thing it doesn't add up it's one of the things that doesn't add up if if you are going to slightly become more resistant and your blood sugar levels are gonna get i mean most anybody who takes growth hormone for any length of time, their blood glucose levels are gonna run higher. You might not run real high or to the point where it's an issue, but there should be a difference between you being on growth hormone and off growth hormone with your blood glucose levels. So that's another thing that seemed counterintuitive to me that made me start really digging. And when I couldn't find anything, that's why I kept thinking, I'm like, it has to be here. It has to be here. We couldn't have accepted this for this long. And then I had to laugh. Yeah. I'm like, of course we, accepted. we accept shit like this all the right. time. And I say we, when I say we, Body that's leaders. an unclear antecedent. I do mean that it's we as a community, we as the bodybuilding industry. And so yes, we like to challenge things, but other t- for some reason we hang on to some of these that we just lock in and, and people accept as
2: as rule. Right. So so that yeah, that blood sugar that blood glucose elevation is normal. And that's why people one of the reasons why people say, Well, use some insulin to counter the loss of insulin sensitivity that you get while you're using growth hormone. Add insulin in there. And of course, if you're using insulin in any substantial amount without any excess extra carbohydrates coming in, then you're asking for trouble there. Right. So there, so that's why, you know, it's just some amount of insulin could make sense in that, from that standpoint, just to have a, to normalize your insulin, in, insulin actions at skeletal muscle, which are important for promoting um, protein synthesis. It's somewhat a controversial, I, I direct people to Fujita's papers, Japanese have shown that's the case when you have increased blood flow, you do get that and you certainly get a re- reduction in breakdown from insulin. So the combination makes sense and it makes sense from, from getting the most from, from simply the protein um, metabolism standpoint is that insulin tends to promote anabolism. You don't really get that so much in the skeletal muscle from growth hormone, but it, it seems to help at least with connective tissue, which makes sense, bone is connective tissue, cartilage is connective tissue. You're certainly seeing people, it's a very common thing you probably notice guys who do really well with growth hormone, if they use it long enough, they get the, a big nose, ears. I've seen people with kind of pointed ears, their feet get big, you know, all sorts of things. Um, it's, you know, it's, it, these are, these are smaller um, versions of the symptoms of acromegaly that you see in people who, who truly have giantism. So, so and I think a
1: lot of people out there who are listening right now are wondering, God, is the dick made of cartilage? Because
3: yeah,
2: yeah, yeah, not enough to matter, maybe so, a little and, bit. Yeah.
1: And let me let me because this is really good timing right here. I have uh, two fun. lesions, one lateral, one medial in my anticular cartilage of my knee. And I'm really battling with this recovery right now. There are mm. GH receptors in some cartilage,
2: mm.
1: articular Absolutely. cartilage. But apparently I've been told by my orthopedic specialist, and I'm not questioning his knowledge as much as I'm stating what he told me, that there, that it will not help with my recovery, and I find this a little odd. Maybe because I'm just wishful—it's wishful, wishful thinking—and I want it to. I'm like thinking to myself, "Damn, that's a bitch." Because growth hormone may, would make my ears, in theory, make my ears, my nose grow, and everything else, but not the cartilage in my knee. That, yeah, that, that kind of sucks.
2: Is, is your Miss guy or, or, or no? It's it, the, the
1: actual, just the actual. I don't know the specific the the fem- arterial. Artic- yeah, well, one medial, one one lateral. we just coming off the bones. I'd have to show you the the okay. MRI, but it's uh, there was a lot of inflammation. There was a lot of fluid. This is about a month and a half ago. I'm going to need another MRI now bone, that it's getting better. Tibia? Yeah, basically,
2: yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. But it was, but it wasn't a tear. It was uh, a lesion. Lesion. So kind of, yeah. Okay. Two um, of them. Yeah. And they're going to have to excise those. Or well, one,
1: or... we we hope not. We don't think so. Okay. I go in for a hyaluronic yeah. acid injection on Tuesday. I've had a hydrocortisone yeah. shot. I don't know if it helped or it didn't help, but I'm getting better. I'm just doing uh-huh. one legged, you know, 40, 50 pound, um, Leg presses one leg at a time, trying to build that strength back, things like that. Um, but I've spoken about my knee issue so many times, I hate to get on it. But the point is, as you touched on the cartilage, and that's why I was kind of yeah. going that way. I'm still holding out yeah. hope that once I get back on cycle, that the GH will actually help and that he's wrong. <laughs> Even if it's a placebo effect, I'll yeah. take it at
2: this point. I mean, um, my guess is, do you know what caused the lesion?
1: I don't exactly. I mean, I remember the one workout where you know your knee hurts yeah. and we've trained long enough that everything hurts at some point so I did what anybody else would do I wrapped that bitch just a little bit tighter, tighter. <laughs> and I got her done but yeah. the next day it was swollen and I'm like oh yeah. that wasn't very good and from there I mean I'm still struggling to if I squat up uh from you know whether it be off the let's say toilet or my bed which is low yeah. I I'm doing kind of a 80 20 with my strong leg versus my weak leg, because there's still a little bit of pain there. It is getting better, but it's also been three and a half months. So it's a very slow healing.
2: Well, you might, there's um, only a port of these, if we're talking about the menisci on your, on your tibia, there's only a portion of those that's, that's vascular. Cartilage tends to be kind of low in vascularity. So that's important for delivery, any growth hormone or for, for regrowth of that. So the, the cells are, they're pretty static. They don't turn over very quickly. The good thing, you might ask your doctor about this, just see, you want to stay on his good side, of course, but if you ask him, it's like, so if I tore this and there was inflammation, wasn't it not inflammation get there, those inflammatory cells get there through blood flow and, you know, so how is it inflaming if it can't be then healed by that very blood flow that brought on the, that assisted Hmm. inflammation? So that's a good thing for you, you know, so you don't necessarily have to throw that at him, but.
1: Well, and I so, apologize. I, I didn't mean to take it off on a in a yeah, different, okay. you know, direction. My bad on that. It's just yeah. that you touched on the cartilage and that's. So as far as the the um, then the timing of carbohydrate intake yeah, that's, from yeah. meals, that sort of thing, if that's where you're going, that's really where that's what I'm. I, basically, you're saying then and I don't want to speak for you, but it isn't. Well, basically, it's a misnomer.
2: It's, that's well, I have one important more important point've okay. this, this happened in one of our last podcasts I've, I've got all i got all the pieces there, now we're going to have the comactic like piece it all together thing okay, I think. fair enough. I got ahead of you. <laughs> so here, no, it's okay. So imagine a situation where you have growth hormone, let's say you have a, a meal with no carbohydrate. If you could have a high protein meal and get almost as much insulin release from that, well let's yeah. just presume that the carbohydrates in the meal add to the insulin you have. So in the no insulin situation, where you've got growth hormone in your system, and remember, it, it, you're getting like eight hours over the, like a single like 10 IU injection if you were to do that. You're getting roughly an eight hour elevation of growth hormone. It's, that's, that's like three or four times longer than what you see in a spike, maybe seven or eight times longer. Spikes are very yeah. quick. So you've got that acting, and there's probably some residual effects thereafter. But imagine what happens then in terms of the fat burning effect you get, the shift in metabolism towards fat oxidation. So you've got that that happens. And when you throw those carbs in there and you get more insulin, that's gonna blunt that, that release of fatty acids. That's gonna inhibit the fatty acid lipolysis that's brought on by the growth hormone. So there is, there is a counter-regulatory effect there, but you're also getting those benefits of the insulin on protein metabolism. And you're also, and that's coming because the, you've got some, some extra insulin coming there as well, at least, Hypothetically. I haven't seen this study directly. I've looked and looked, same as you i have looked and looked and looked for someone to like tease out these these things. Of course, you know, the first and foremost we have to remember that it's a like whether you're losing fat's a function of calories in and calories out. Right. So that's why it's kinda like splitting hairs. It's like so if you're taking in two thousand calories and you you let's say your growth hormone you have we do one growth hormone injection in the morning and compare that with no growth hormone at all. Um, or, or let's say you do growth hormone with carbs in one situation and growth hormone with no carbs in another situation and it's still 2000 calories. Is it going to make a difference? Maybe. Very, 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 very possibly just because the growth hormone is accelerating the fatty acid oxidation. Um, but the, here's the thing is you, you, the insulin's going to also have that effect from the carbs. So you, every time you eat carbs, you, you, you're blunting fatty acid oxidation. So the growth hormone's still gonna elevate the oxidation of fats, more so, because you're using it. You lose right. some when you have carbs, but you lose some when you have carbs every single time. And people can get shredded on a higher carb diet than people can get shredded on a lower carb diet. Exactly, so exactly. So it's calories that matter. Yeah. So maybe for some people, um, there is a little bit of evidence, I cover this in my book, showing that, that people who tend to have poor insulin sensitivity at the start of a diet, the literature's not um, 100% on this, but that makes sense because you take a group of people, it's going to work for some people, it's not going to work for others. There's tons of studies where they, when they tease out the individual responses, you see all this variability. But some of the studies have found that those with the poorest insulin sensitivity do better on low-carb diets, hmm. which are the ones that would tend to increase your insulin sensitivity the most. So for someone where that's an issue um, because of their genetics, like, I mean, gosh, the, the predictability of of having diabetes from someone in your family have it is like gigantic if one of your parents had had type 2 diabetes you have like a 67% chance it's like two out of three it's ginormous right so people are going to have genetic variation as to whether um that carb intake is going to is going to impact the effects of the growth hormone for them in particular and I, we already have. We even get into this, but like, there's all the variability in how growth hormone would work. There's there's the growth hormone receptor. There's like the two main isoforms of that that have been found. There's the fact that the growth hormone that we use is a is of one molecular size, 22 kilodalton. Your body actually makes two, and the the very the, there's a variation in which of those is released depending on whether you're exercising or not, whether you're a man or a woman or not. Um, you have different, depending which growth hormone receptor you have, it'll it'll vary. It'll dep- it'll determine to what extent you lose insulin sensitivity when you use growth hormone. This comes from um, studies with dwarfs. So there's there's variations in what the growth hormone's doing as far as fat burning, and there's going to be variations as far as how much improvement in insulin sensitivity you get or loss you get from having carbs out or in of your diet. So, I hope that the yeah. listeners
1: recognize that they, what you have said how many times over, and I have said the same thing. Insulin sensitivity, insulin resistance, insulin sensitivity, insulin resistance. <laughs> it's related to everything.
3: Sure. Yeah. yeah. Can I Absolutely. ask you a question, Dr. Scott? Absolutely. So, just don't call me, from- Dr. Scott. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm formal. That's uh, no, all good. So from a mus- from a muscle building standpoint, wouldn't you say you're yeah. leaving something on the table in terms of not including carbs somewhere around your GH in terms of the effect of GH on the liver releasing IGF one and insulin and carbs releasing you know causing the insulin release increasing IGF one translocation in the cells.
2: It seems like there's huge very there are pe- guys there are peptide guys who like they grow from you know and they get really lean from it too like they take it and they metamorphosize. You know, the whole little water they get leaner they they gain at the same time, and those guys who are getting that here's the thing I think is a big piece for a lot of people, not someone like you who's got everything dialed in or like some of the listeners, but maybe um some people who who unconsciously put the brakes on really pushing the food and putting all the all the ducks in the road gain is that when you add growth hormone and especially respond to it well. Now you're going to stay leaner because you, it's a drug. It's you know it's shifting you towards more fat use. So when you start packing in the food, um, you, you're going to stay leaner. You may have some water retention, but it's not like sloppy water retention like you might get from just eating you know burgers and fries all the time. So you stay leaner, and now you push the food harder, and you don't. You're not doing the same things you would have done without the growth hormone because you're staying leaner. You're better. You're getting a better P ratio, a better amount of muscle relative to the fat now whether you know that's um so that's part of it in that case those people are going to try to get those extra calories in from the carbs the other part of your question is the IGF one release from the liver and to what extent that really matters um for muscle there there's if you look at the science it doesn't point to that it points to local IGF one release being the main factor so and that's really important not that systemic, but the systemic is very much associated with um, nitrogen balance and your nutritional state. Like It used to be like back in the day, if guys wanted to try to get like a growth hormone prescription, they would just diet really hard. You go in and, you know, your um, IGF-1 levels will be in the shooter. It's like, oh, we'll give you growth hormone to boost that up because you have a medical issue, you know, um, and that's totally true. And, you know, from the, from the boards, guys will do the 10 IU, you know, growth hormone test, 10 IU, like measure it two or three hours later, what your GH levels are, um, that's, you know, or that's one way. And the other way is you look at IGF-1, you know, how much did it bump my IGF-1? It definitely does move it around. The question is how much of that is going to skeletal muscle? And yeah. it's probably variable too. If you look at the animal literature and even some of the human stuff, a lot of the growth, what you see happening in terms of protein metabolism is in the gut. It's in it's in the in the viscera and the, the, the gastrointestinal system. It's organs. It's the stuff that you think okay, you know that's the roid gut thought. That's especially in the animal stuff. You see that. So you also get. I mean, actually in the skin, um, there's a study that I just came across uh, looking at skin thickness in growth hormone users, hmm. and they removed the growth hormone. And they lost like skin thickness, um, dermis thickness went down like forty percent over the course of a year or two on no the follow ups they did. So yeah, that idea of like the skin. See so the skin's gonna look thinner when you get leaner, that's good. And in terms of skin thickness, I don't know how much that would that would translate to on the stage, as far as like, you know, that guy's got thick skin and that's why, you know, he doesn't look as shredded as he could. Mm. But there's there's definitely something to say for that. But and skin well, that's connected that to shoot. Isn't, isn't that the complaint
3: of, of a lot of the current crops of pros, like a lot of the old timers yeah. will say like, "Oh, these guys don't get nearly as lean, but it's like, you can see these guys are very, very lean. Like they're might even yeah. leaner than the guys in the nineties. But yeah. to your point of what you're talking about, the skin thickness due to, I don't, I don't know a pro bodybuilder that doesn't use a good amount of GH and I'm sure you yeah. guys don't either, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and it's been rampant over the last like 10, 15 yeah. years. So mm-hmm. so the skin yeah.
2: thickness and maybe a little water retention Those they're not taking care of. Right. I mean, a lot of them use heavy, heavy diuretics, but it, it could be, it could be enough. I mean, the thing is when you're off season and you know, your skin thicknesses, you know, you do a skin fold and it's 10, 12 millimeters, it's like no big deal. But when you get down and you're looking at like that diamond in the rough and you're talking about now five millimeters versus four millimeters and you know, like, you know, when you get down and you're like, oh, you're shreddy, look really good. And then you're like, oh fuck, you're peeled. That's sick. <laughs> That's five versus four, you know? Yeah, and that could be it. That could, I and mean, that's you know, that's only twenty percent difference, really. So, mm-hmm. um but yeah, so when there's a market well, difference, it's hard to know how much that matters. What's that, scan Well,
1: there's a market difference. I mean, Andrew makes a good point. You know, the condition. It, it isn't like they weren't doing growth hormone, you know, in the '80s and early '90s. Obviously, that's the case. But if you compare the dosing protocols and the availability yeah. of GH yeah. now, yeah. it's night and day. And I think that there's, you know, I don't want to. You know, by mentioning a name, I don't want to imply that, you know, anybody is using, not using, uses more, whatever else. But I almost look at the conditioning like a, let's say, like a, a Richie Gaspari versus a Victor, or not a Victor Richards, but a, um, help me, uh, Victor. Um, Martinez. Thank you. Martinez, Martinez, yeah. Where, you know, he, to me, Victor always seemed like that guy that, God, can he ever really, truly get shredded? You know, Cutler's a good example, too. Yeah. He was shredded and he was in good shape, but his skin was not. Trans- it wasn't yeah ridiculously thin so Both you know they may... were
3: full as a house too compared yeah, compared it, to gaspari these guys are full as a house it, yeah there's yeah a market yeah. difference a very good very good point, point and, as well And i think the the, the reasoning is the the, the gh absolutely I
2: mm-hmm. could very well yeah. be. Well, I, I i really think i think some of that systemic i mean there's like there's like seven insulin-like growth factor binding proteins hmm. there's a shitload of them you know, insulin-like growth factor binding protein three is the one that mainly goes to insulin-like growth factor one, but there's like seven of them. There's IGF two as well that's released. There's all this. There's it's a incredibly crazy complex system. So mm. you look at that, and you think, well, there's got to be some people who have who the the systemic blood levels of IGF one lead to you know, let's say it's let's say it's um seventy percent growth where you don't want it and thirty percent growth where you do in skeletal muscle for an average person. So when you look at the research you generally see it's the organs, you know, the integument, the skin, places where you don't want growth. Um cuz you can do that kind of shit in a rat, you can dissect them afterwards. And then you take someone who just he's just wired differently. Um IGF1 receptors in the muscle are twice as sensitive and now he's, he flips that 30 70 in, the other way around and gets a lot of good muscle growth from IGF1 that's coming from GH plus he's got the right growth hormone receptor forgetting that he doesn't get the insulin insulin sensitivity loss he can use more insulin to get more out of that like you add up all those factors and they start synergizing and then then I think it's I mean it's it makes sense that the, that the systemic igf1 would be something that could be anabolic because it, it is associated with anabolism in terms of positive protein balance it just doesn't seem in the studies that have looked at it specifically to, to, to be this majorly important, factor for muscle growth specifically in terms of that tissue so um anyway you as far as your question goes i think because just the insulin that, that whole counter-regulatory thing we talked about having carbs in when you're using growth hormone i mean not having carbs when you're trying to gain weight put muscle mass on just is not the smartest move if you're like really trying to get as high as you can go you right. know um if you need to stay in shooting range for a show or you just tend to get crazy fluffy all the time, you know, then you go with like, you use insulin, you know, around only three days a week, something like that, you know, it's in a sort of a timed way. And of course you have carbs then. So that's a new, more nuanced question that that maybe we didn't want to get into on this, uh, on this podcast unit. But, uh, well, I
1: think it's a really good information and that's why I say the fact that I have been asked about this and I I get this question a lot over there, but it seems like I probably had three people ask me this in like the last couple weeks two or three weeks yeah and it allowed me a little bit of time like I said to dig into it and I feel much the same way you do which is not surprising because we go back a long way but I don't have anything to back it up that's the difference you have the studies and you know where to pull from and you know and you can say yes this that and at the same time you're honest when you say that it looks like this but we don't know for sure so you know, we lean this way so I think in you know in wrapping it up I mean I guess it, it, taking in carbohydrates around a growth hormone injection is not going to basically be like a Pac-Man eating the dots of your growth hormone. And well, that didn't count. It doesn't work anymore. If you if you're a split hairs kind of guy, because some people would say, "Wait a minute, a third of an IU a day times 365, and they're doing the math while you're still talking." They're going, "Hey, that's <laughs> right. six and a half units of you know growth hormone. Yeah. I'm going to do that." And to each their own. That's cool. If that's but I like your term and i know you didn't mean it derogatory but in the nazi type term there are right. people who are just they want that fraction of a fraction of a fraction and they do feel that it adds up over time to each their own myself personally i don't want to waste time on something that if i don't think there's anything quantitative there that i think it's worthless an example would be dex drinking shitty ass dextrose uh mm-hmm. after a um to me shitty ass dextrose powder right. versus having rice checks or some shit like that to me that is splitting hairs and and that's just that doesn't matter to me like dextrose sucks or waxy maize or some shit like that so do what you want to do that's cool but uh basically it's splitting hairs is that
2: yeah and and the thing you know it asks is like okay well certainly less carbs if it means less insulin means you're going to get more fatty acid oxidation during those two or three four hours after that meal that you left the carbs out of but on the other hand, and if you're going just for, you know, all-out fat loss, a no-carb diet may be the best way for you, you know. I mean, if you really mm-hmm. want to go for it, then you use as few calories as you can, and you just take in, like, 500 grams of, of protein every day, you know, mm-hmm. and do, like, a like a jacked-up protein version of a, of a protein-sparing modified fast. But the thing mm-hmm. is, you have to also ask is, like, let's say that's after a workout or any period of time. What are you losing by not having those carbohydrates in there? Mm-hmm you know like what like you're then you're losing the insulin that which has its own so so it's like if you're trying to gain you probably want insulin around if you're trying to lose you don't want insulin around but then you're yeah. pointing towards the insulin hypothesis of obesity and all that kind of stuff which is not supported very well at all so sure like if you want to you can hang your hook on that hook without a doubt and and go for that and i think there's something to say i mean this is in the big picture thing is if you have something that you feel has worked for you and you're, and you, and you really truly believe that. If you really believe it, it's probably going to work for you. You know, if you're that like focused and believing in what your approach is, then you're going to follow it out and you're going to do it. And if it does, if it backfires, eventually you'll probably figure that out unless you're just totally deluded. But there's a lot to say for placebo effect. We talked about this before on the podcast, Scott, the muscle minds. Okay. So many crazy placebo effect findings that are just mind boggling. So, I mean, who knows? Like, you know, maybe, um, I mean, here's, here's something, just think about it this way. Someone takes in their growth hormone, they don't take in any carbs, they think, man, I'm a fat burning machine, this is awesome, you know what, I think I'm gonna go walk down to the store and like, you know, um, you know pick up this, that or the other. And they go and they stay, they, they're more active, they don't have a carb coma from a, taking in carbs, going to sleep, and they actually end up burning off 75 extra calories they wouldn't have otherwise. They did burn more fat, they did create a greater caloric deficit, because it altered their behavior. Hmm, right. So that could go to this perception. Or they mm-hmm. you know, um, there's a number of different things that could happen because they're they're modifying things that like carbs can make you very tired, especially if you've had you, it for a while.
1: Are you just trying to show off your arm? I mean you can move at any time if you want. You don't have to oh. stay stuck <laughs> in that pose.
2: <laughs> no, what a no, what a not show
1: brought you on for information. We brought you on for informational purposes, not to show off. Leave that for normally cuts me right like here. I don't know show. why today. <laughs>
2: Scott must have done this for Andrew you guys, just like for something, because normally it really cuts me off right here, doesn't
0: it? <laughs> well, I'm not sure, but Scott is frozen. So, I and I think to skip does frozen. that
1: answer your question? Do you feel a little bit more? Uh, I mean, you, it does. It, okay. it absolutely does. And I, yeah, I knew he was a guy because not only will he answer the question, but he explains it so that people can understand it. And not only myself, but the people listening, I'm sure, you know, appreciate the the detailed response so that they can understand it a little bit better too. So Absolutely. good deal. I appreciate yeah. you, Dr. Scott. Always do.
2: Yeah. Yeah. There was one person a kind of a well-known guru who put this idea out there a few years ago for, and for like a year I got asked about it. And he said, wait 30 minutes after your workout before you have your carbs or something like that.
1: Hmm. And I think yeah. that
2: might be why it's, you know, it just still floats around. So. Well, and I'll anyway. be honest,
1: I have contributed to that as well, because I always felt this way. I always felt that, okay, If I'm wrong, there's no harm in it. But if I'm, but if it's, if the carbs do matter and there is something out there, maybe even something out there that we just don't know yet, it's almost erring on the side of caution. And I'm assuming obviously that someone's getting leaner. So, you know, I probably have helped to add to that as well by just saying, I'm thinking to myself the whole time, like, you know what, I'm just going to err on the fact that if there is any impact, then at least it'll have less of an impact or it'll be mitigated because I, I'm being cautious about it so
0: yeah all right listen let's wrap this thing up we've got things to do places to be scott we appreciate having you here brother absolutely i don't know if you can see i'm still frozen but uh, am i frozen
2: frozen. for you guys yes yes okay that's that's where we're gonna hit it we
0: appreciate it we're here with scott stevenson we've got andrew berry skip hill scott mcnally we'll talk to you soon guys